This is AMA Fantasy Football, the only fantasy football podcast dedicated solely to you, the fans. Email us your questions at amafantasyfootball at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at amafantasy, and we guarantee your questions will be answered. Now, here is your host, Ellie Berkovitz. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of AMA Fantasy Football. I am your host, Eli Berkovitz, and you can find us on Twitter at AMA Fantasy, and you can find me on Twitter at Book of Eli underscore NFL. Today, I'm very excited to announce that a friend of mine, Dylan Busby, coming over onto the show to help us answer all of your questions. Dylan is one of the uh, up-and-comers in the fantasy football world, to say the least. I mean, Dylan knows his stuff in fantasy, and I'm really excited to have these conversations. Unfortunately, a lot of them will be a little bit negative due to all the injuries we saw this week, Dylan. So that's kind of where we have to start. All the injuries that happen, and I guess the two biggest ones off the bat being Saquon Barkley and Christian McCaffrey. So let's start with Saquon, I guess, and how... You view Devonta Freeman, Deion Lewis, that whole Giants backfield, how you would uh, approach it? Yeah, I mean, in waiver leagues, if you're just uh, a league that, and you don't have to put in any fab, obviously you put in a claim for Devonta Freeman. If you missed out, you know, if Saquon Barkley was your RB1, I think that of all the backs, he has the likeliest chance to be the, you know, the season-long workhorse. Yeah. He did for the Falcons, and he has been a 1,000-yard rusher for them in the past. I mean, Deion Lewis, I don't think it's going to take any of the first or second down work at all. He's going to just be cemented in there as the third down change of pace back. The one I worry about is Wayne Gallman. I mean, if you're a sneaky type of fantasy owner, and that's what I've learned about myself this year, I'm cheating for delight to translate over to my uh, fab acquisitions. You know, when everyone was going for Emmanuel Sanders, I grabbed Traycon Smith on the cheap. And I wouldn't be surprised if everyone is spending, you know, 20 to 30 fab on Devonta Freeman. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm i with you on that. I think overall, like early in the season, people can get way out of hand with their free agent budget and then just kind of bankrupt themselves. Like I had a guy in my league last week. He spent, I mean, we have $150 fab. He spent nearly $100 between Naeem Hines and like Josh Kelly. And look, they both have their upside and they have their pluses, but you're you're handicapping yourself the rest of the year. You're going to be at a disadvantage fab-wise. And I like the point you brought up about Gallman because bottom line is he's been there for years. He knows the offense. He's been a part of that team. Freeman's going to come in. And like we saw with Fournette, it's not just going to be automatic. Here you go. Here's 20 carries. You're the automatic number one. So if Freeman doesn't look as good as people are hoping – it wouldn't surprise me to see Gallman get some early down work and then, like you said, Deion Lewis handling the passing game is what I would imagine. And then... Well, and I know that... Yeah, go ahead. The Giants do have a brutal schedule. Uh, wrong. So, you know, Saquon Barkley is struggling early. Wasn't a surprise? Yeah. But if you think about it, one of the top athletes in the entire league is struggling to get anything going for the Giants. <laughs> what makes you think that an inefficient, you know, Devonta Freeman is just going to step in and light up the, the fantasy world? So... I wouldn't, you know, like you said, I wouldn't spend too much in the fab this early on a guy like Devonta Freeman. If you can, you know, 15%, then that's fine. But if 
if you blow it on a guy who becomes part of a committee or just is ineffective overall this early, you're going to regret it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think Freeman, like if you want to go out and get him, obviously that's that's understandable, but, but don't bankrupt yourself on him. I just don't think it's worth it just yet. And like you mentioned, the Giants offense is the lowest scoring offense in football right now. We saw what Saquon did against Pittsburgh. I get that it's Pittsburgh, but I mean, through like yeah. three quarters, he had like negative five yards. I mean, I was playing against him. I loved it, <laughs> but it was bad. So I, you know, temper your expectations basically is what we're saying on the Giants running backs. And then moving now to Carolina, a bit of a different situation. McCaffrey's not out for the year. Could see him back maybe, you know, three to six weeks, hopefully. Um, but right now, you're, it's basically just looking like Mike Davis. I mean, I'm looking at that backfield. I don't see anyone else. So do you think Mike Davis has a chance to be a legitimate star over the next month or so? I really do. I like Mike Davis going all the way back to his college days in South Carolina. And he looked good in Seattle for a little while as part of a committee, and he stepped yeah. up when guys ahead of him were banged up. And, I mean, he had – you know, he didn't do anything on the ground for Carolina per se, but eight catches <laughs> – when you're thrust into yeah. the game is no joke to start off. I do think that, you know, Mike Davis is a thing for the Carolina Panthers. And the coach, Matt Rule, said that he is a weapon on the backfield, the passing game as well as in the running game. So, for sure, Davis has a chance to be um, a real solid pickup. You had to spend for him, too, that Mike Davis was the prize this week. You definitely had to spend your fab on him. But if you did, you're not going to regret it. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And I think even more so if you're the McCaffrey owner to go even harder on Davis just in case there's a re-aggravation you just lock up that backfield because like you said Davis might not be the most efficient runner but if he's going to catch five six seven eight balls a game in mo you know PPR formats which I hope everyone's playing at this point you're going to be pretty happy so I like Mike Davis yeah. um I would say though the only thing like if let's say you're two and oh and you have a really good team Maybe don't just go all out just to get him, like if you don't really need him, because it could be by the time you need him, McCaffrey's back. But if you're if you're zero two and you need some wins, Mike Davis is definitely someone to go pretty hard for. And then we have a couple more, not minor but smallerish injuries. We'll start in Denver. They got pretty decimated over there. Drew Locke, he'll be out for a bit of time. Cortland Sutton is going to miss the entire season. So. What impact do you think will it have on Fant and Judy with Drew Locke's absence? Most importantly, Fant, as he's been gaining steam the first two weeks. I think Fant is going to be a monster. You know, he's been great these first two weeks. He's definitely been able to show off the athleticism. Ever since Julius Thomas, they've been searching for another, you know, super athletic tight end. And why wouldn't they? Julius really owned it when he was in Denver. Yeah. And I think they might have found it in Fant, especially now that the big body Portland Sutton is out. I mean, I, I've been impressed with Jerry Judy. He's going to do well underneath, and he might get some shots down the field as well. But when they're in the red zone, I don't see why no fan wouldn't be the first read. Yeah, he should be. He's extremely talented, and it's obviously a bit too early to tell between him and Hawkinson, you know, college teammates, both first-round picks. But fan looks, I mean, really incredible. Just athletic, catches the ball, run after the catch. Just really impressive. One uh, more, yeah. What, Iowa tight ends missing the wide receiver ones. Yeah, exactly. That's the Iowa tight ends have to take and all the credit. Got yeah, but um, and then finally, you got this whole Tyrod Taylor situation, which is honestly, I mean, it's not, it's obviously not funny, 
but it's interesting for sure that his team doctor punctured his lung. Like, what the hell does that even mean? But but now you have Herbert. He's expected to start week three. I thought he looked very good on Sunday. In my personal opinion, even if Taylor was healthy, you keep Herbert on the field. But let's just assume Herbert's going to be the starter. How do you think that impacts Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler? Is this an upgrade, a downgrade? What, what do you think? Well, yeah, for sure. Uh, best wishes to Tyrod Taylor, firstly. You know, we learned through Hard Knocks that he's... Uh, that's what I love about Hard Knocks is it gives you the view of these plays, as you know, people you see on TV once a week on Sundays. Yeah. And, you know, Tyrod Taylor seems like a great guy, so that's a weird situation. Hopefully he recovers just fine. But, yeah, fantasy-wise, Justin Herbert like a boost for all the players you mentioned. I mean, he came in, looked like he's been running this offense for years already, besides when he uh, turned to hand the ball to, to the wrong side yeah. behind him. But <laughs> other than that, you know, he, he's athletic. He's able to sling the ball downfield. He's definitely still hitting Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and Hunter Henry. I, I think these guys all get a slight boost with Justin Herbert in the game. And if you're playing leagues with two quarterbacks, if you're constantly streaming quarterbacks, you got to look his way here and there if he has the right matchup. Yeah, I think he was really impressive. And a lot of times, I don't know, I've always had this theory that rookie quarterbacks or young quarterbacks or just general in, in general, backup QBs get that get thrown into a game unexpectedly seem to somehow always play better than expected. And then the following week are awful. Like the team gets to see them, whether it's a rookie or just a backup who doesn't have a film, and then you game plan it. But I do think Herbert's season long, if he's the starter, could be someone in two QB leagues for sure to look at. And if you're a QB streamer, to look at. But uh, you had another point? Well, yeah. You know, we always look at numbers and data and stats, but there is something intangible to the rest of the team all of a sudden knowing that Herbert is going to lead them, feeling like they have to step their game up just a little bit extra now that the rookie comes into the game. So you're right. I mean, there is something to a guy just being thrust into a game that gives the rest of the team a little boost of energy. Yeah. Like maybe it's going to be different this time, you know? Yeah, yeah. So that's what I was thinking. But like I personally have Keenan Allen. He was on my bench the first two weeks. I'm starting him this week. Like I think that's really going to help out. Tyra Taylor, he might have, Tyra Taylor might have been great for Mike Williams, but he was probably the only one in that offense he was good for because he was chucking it deep and deep and deep, and that's not Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry's game. So... I hope uh, Taylor's healthy, and I wish him the best. But fantasy-wise, I would love to see Herbert stay as the starter. So that covers most of the big injury news. And before we jump into the fan questions, Dylan, maybe just real quick, if you give you know the listeners just kind of a, a background on yourself, where we you know find some of your work, some what you do for the NFL and fantasy community. Yeah, just a lover of football. I consider myself a man of the people, a real fan of fantasy. Been playing the game for years now, first in a family league, and then it's expanded to, you know, work leagues and yeah. friends of friends and this and that and completely total stranger. Uh, it's crazy the amount of different types of stuff you can get into between Dynasty and Best Ball, and I just learned about Vampire Leagues for the first time yeah. last season, so yeah. it's all been very strange, fun, and just cool ways to get different people involved. You know, any way you can do it, it's just been great, so... Uh, yeah, you can find me at Dylan Busby one on Twitter, and you can find the show that I do, Point Per Perception. It's just quick takes to you know help you win your week, and uh, you can find the show at 3P underscore FF show. All right, so everyone, you heard it there to check out Dylan's show and follow him on Twitter. 
because he's putting out good content consistently for fantasy and obviously an Eagles fan. I'm sure you put plenty of uh, good Eagles stuff. I mean, right now, maybe not the best Eagles stuff, but yeah. hopefully hopefully in a few weeks you'll have better stuff right to post now. for the Eagles. But um, I don't know what's worse, uh, election Twitter or Eagles Twitter? Oh, God. Um, I just think Twitter. How about both? <laughs> Twitter has been as toxic as, <laughs> as, as I've ever seen it in a long time between politics sports everything it is uh yeah it's scary out there people so be careful on twitter but uh let's let's jump into some of these fan questions actually our first one comes in from twitter from at matthew naus um he wants to know should he trade john brown and antonio gibson for david johnson and hunter henry so the one caveat of this is that he currently has Evan Ingram. So I'm not totally sure how much of a how much of an upgrade do you see Henry over Ingram? Or is there one? If it's you... a slight upgrade. I I mean, right now, he's definitely getting the looks and getting the yards that Ingram is not. I guess you probably drafted Ingram, what, a round ahead of Hunter Henry? Yeah, I'm so sure they weren't in the same Ingram... range, yeah. Ingram has been slightly disappointing, but as predicted, you know, some of those receivers like Sterling Shepard are starting to get banged up. Their schedule has been rough, but I don't, it's kind of a wash for me. I mean, I do think Ingram is probably, you know, more athletic than Hunter Henry as just a total overall athlete. But as far as fantasy production, I I don't see a huge uh, difference between the two. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think they're going to be pretty similar season long. And, and Matt, Matthew, so you already have Evan Ingram. I don't think you need to make this trade to get another tight end. Uh, the only thing is, look, if you're going for David Johnson because, you know, you had Saquon or McCaffrey and you really need a running back, I could understand it um, because John Brown, I'm sure you could get by without, and Antonio Gibson hasn't been as exciting as people were hoping for. So if you're really weak at running back, I get the deal. If you're okay at running back, I think you could stay put with Evan Ingram, and I think you'll be okay at tight end. And um, another, we got another trade question, another one from Twitter. This one coming in from at Colin underscore Horton. So another, oh, another David Johnson. Should I trade David Johnson for either one of Michael Gallup or CeeDee Lamb in full PPR? I don't like either one of these. I've never been a fan of trading running backs for receivers just because, you know, there's always more wide receivers available out there, whether it's free agency or, you know, you can just uh, usually trade for, you know, receiver for receiver at some point. But if unless, you know, say you're trading DJ for uh, Mike Evans, that's one thing. Then you can trade, you know, I'd be fine with that. But it just seems like even CeeDee Lamb right now, as well as he's here, fantasy-wise as a DJ. I mean, he's been getting some looks in the passing game. I'd like to see more for David Johnson. But, you know, 22 rushes between two games, and obviously everyone has a tough time against Baltimore. But season long, I think he's going to be worth the draft pick. Yeah, I I agree with you on the fact that, and whenever I see trade offers, running back obviously is always going to be the most valuable. But usually it's rare you see a trade for, you know, running back for receiver or receiver for tight end. Like usually – there's going to be simultaneous pieces going back and forth to even it out. So for this team in specific, like unless you somehow have a huge surplus of running backs and don't need David Johnson and 
are desperate at receiver, okay, but I'm with you. I think David Johnson is on a different level than both of those guys fantasy-wise, and running backs are obviously more valuable and more rare to find throughout the year than receivers, so that is not a deal I would do. I would keep David Johnson, and, you know, every week, it's almost like every week you could get a solid waiver wire receiver at this point, unless your league is massive, but... Especially the way, you know, NFL teams spread the ball out. You can just look at the Falcons. I mean, yeah. Russell Gage is a you know, wide receiver right now. You can plug him almost into your wide receiver too, it seems like, yeah. going forward, and you'll be just fine. So, I mean, there's tight ends on the waiver wire, whether it's Mo Alley-Cox, uh, Dalton Schultz, or Logan Thomas. So that's another reason why I'm not usually a fan of trading two skill position players like running back and receiver and going after a tight end unless it's Travis Kelsey he's always the exception (laughs) yeah Kelsey is uh usually always the exception to any tight end rule but I'm with you on that and um, our next question comes into another injury depleted team uh question is from Johnny from Facebook Jarek McKinnon and the 49ers obviously the 49ers suffered just about as bad a week of injuries as you could have Nick Bosa, Solomon Thomas, Jimmy Garoppolo, Raheem Mostert, the list goes on and on. Uh, Tevin Coleman as well. So now you have Jarek McKinnon. Haven't seen him in two years. He's looked good through two weeks now. Mostert and Coleman are both almost certainly going to miss this week. Coleman multiple weeks. Is Jarek McKinnon a must-start as long as both of those players are out? I say absolutely. I mean, he's had he hasn't cracked double-digit carries just yet. So does that include involved in the past game? He's does that include does that include non PPR or only PPR formats? I would say even in standard right now, if nobody else is going to be able to rush the ball, I can't imagine they just get Jeff Wilson Jr. more yeah. carries than Jared McKinnon all of a sudden. He might vulture a red zone, you know, he and probably will. Yeah, don't yeah. get me wrong, you're going to be pissed off once they get to the one yard line because it Jeff will Wilson's be Jeff going Wilson. to score a touchdown. But yeah, I think Jared McKinnon, especially against the Giants. Philadelphia and Miami coming up as a must-start. And how about this? Does does the potential of Jimmy Garoppolo not being there scare you? Does Nick Mullins downgrade him, or you think he'll be good regardless due to his rushing and you know short target uh, tree? Yeah, I do. I usually prescribe to the idea. It doesn't always work out, but I do like to prescribe to the idea that a backup quarterback is going to feed the running back. The game plan is going to be you know, putting the ball into the running back's hands a little bit more, dump off passes, safe throws, yeah. and yeah, no, more I, rushes yeah. for sure. I hear that. Yeah, Mullins, you know, he didn't look great last week, but like you said, when a QB is struggling, he wants to get rid of the ball fast, and that's usually to a running back. So McKinnon, if my in my league, my brother was lucky enough to pick up McKinnon on Saturday night. I have Raheem Mostert. To say the least, I'm not very happy with him right now. Um, but yeah, so that takes us to our next question. This one coming in, we got an email from Stephanie and she wants to know which non Devante Adams wide receiver would you target on the Packers between Marquez Valdez Scanling and Alan Lazard? Both have been productive through two weeks. Uh, the Packers offense, you know, coming from a Packer fan, I don't want to be biased, but it's looking pretty damn good right now. Uh, how do you feel about MVS and Lazard moving forward? I love this question. It seems like it's been the same question for Green Bay now for 
the past several seasons. Yeah. Who is going to be that wide receiver two that Aaron Rodgers can support, you know? And it seems like the narrative switches back and forth between who we trust and doesn't trust in the wide receiver core. But I think it's MVS. I mean, six targets, seven targets week one and two, four and five for Elm Lazard. So it's only a couple more, but it is more regardless. And I just think overall MVS is the better athlete. I think red zone, and that matters for, you know, bonus points, especially when you've got 40-plus, 50-plus yard touchdowns. I mean, that stuff matters. I don't think Alan Lazard, as good as he is, is quite capable of those explosive plays. Yeah, no, I think it really depends on on maybe some of the scoring systems of your league, but there's no doubt that MVS carries the higher upside. Like you said, over the last two weeks – Scanling has gotten 13 targets, turning that in seven catches into 160 yards and a touchdown. So that's a lot of yards per catch. Meanwhile, Lazard has nine targets, seven catches, 108 yards and a touchdown. So truth is, either one of them are a candidate to score any week. I think MVS is obviously the chance to score the 50-60 yard bomb and Lazard is more likely to be the, you know, red zone touchdown guy. So the way I would approach it is if you think you are a really set team and you just want someone on your bench that could do to occasionally throw in with some huge upside, MVS could be that guy. But I do think Lazard kind of is safer because I do think Aaron Rodgers trusts him more. Like he has a safer floor for me. So if if you just need someone you could put in your flex and rely on on a nice floor, I would lean Lazard. But Personally, I'm an upside guy, so I, I did target MVS in waivers this week over Lazard. Those are my two favorite headlines to read out of Green Bay each week is how are Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur getting along, and who does Aaron Rodgers trust this week? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, happens to be since last year, since Lazard broke onto the scene, he really has, I don't know, I just think he's always had Rodgers trust. Last year they had a 115.6 passer rating when targeting Lazard. They're, they have a connection there. So I like Lazard, but I'm just very happy to see MVS finally having what looks like it could be that breakout season we've hoped for the last few years, if he could get over some of those drop issues, of course. But we'll see about that. And it, it felt like he was left for dead at one point. Yeah, last year... Again, as a Packer fan, I was close to writing him off. Like, I was thinking this guy's going to be either fifth or sixth on the depth chart or maybe not even on the team. And I'm very happy to have been proven wrong. He's looking good, and he's looking dangerous down the field. So that's always good for fantasy. And speaking of dangerous down the field, Robbie Anderson has been pretty damn good these first two weeks. And not just Robbie Anderson, you know, 80-yard touchdown good. He's been consistent good. Um, So the question comes in from PJ on Facebook. Oh, no, sorry. Sorry, this question comes in from Aaron uh, on email. So can can we start to trust Robbie Anderson as more than just that boomer bus guy? Do you think he could be a weekly starter? It's starting to look that way, and I was hoping you were going to make that transition from MBS to Robbie Anderson. That was smooth. But, uh, yeah, for sure. DJ Moore is obviously going to be the staple of the passing game, even more so now that Christian McCaffrey is injured. But between Samuel and Anderson, you're talking 10 targets for Samuel in two weeks and 18 targets for Robbie Anderson. Yeah. Uh, So there you go. And he's getting over 10 yards a target. I mean, these are valuable downfield throws that I personally 
was not expecting it from Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. I've always viewed him as a dink and dunk quarterback, but he's proven us otherwise with his connection with Robbie Anderson. Yeah, and what's really cool about Anderson is that, like you know, we've always known is that he's this boomer bust guy. But like you mentioned, he has 18 targets through two games. He's caught 15 of them. I don't think I could like I don't I haven't checked this number, but. I highly doubt in his Jets career he caught 15 out of 18 targets on any stretch because that just wasn't the way he was used. The quarterback talent wasn't as good. So Robbie Anderson, who went largely undrafted, if you picked him up after week one because of that big play, I think you made a really good move. I'm not saying start him every week, but when bye weeks come around, injuries continue to happen, he's going to be really valuable as a flex play or if you play in three wide receiver leagues, Definitely someone to monitor, and and I guess we could say, uh, uh, Dylan, I guess it's over for Curtis Samuel. The the Curtis Samuel hype train that started last year, it seems like it's kind of fizzling out. I'm still curious if they do a Cordero Patterson type thing. It's not a bad He made move. a lot of running back for a eight, so I'd be surprised if... Yeah, Matt Rule finds a way to use him in the backfield as well. Yeah, I was going to say, with McCaffrey out, when we were discussing McCaffrey earlier, I was going to say one person I could see handle a, a handful of carries could be Samuel. He's shown he could do that in the past. You know what? In my opinion, I think the Panthers could consider trading Samuel. I think he's pretty talented, and they, they might not necessarily need him. Maybe they get a good good pick out of him. Um, but yeah, Robbie Anderson, someone, people, I think you guys got to start taking him serious now. And now Dylan. And, uh, you know, yeah, go ahead. I know it's, I know it's the trendy thing to do to crap on it, but this is just one more player who has escaped his system and is now thriving for another team. Exactly. Look, bottom line is fantasy production dies on the jets. I, avoided every single one I could with as best I could and I'm very happy with that decision so yeah if you have a jet on your team I would uh consider otherwise <laughs> um, abandon ship exactly abandon ship but a kind of another segue here in terms of abandoning ship Jacksonville Jaguars were looked at before the season as potentially the worst team in the league and they're coming out firing Minshew looks good this guy, you know, James Robinson came out of nowhere. He's looking really good. So so is Jacksonville for real? Do you think Minshew can, can, can keep this up? And James Robinson, do you think these are guys you can rely on throughout the season? Yeah, I mean, week one versus Cincinnati was one thing. But when you take on the Titans and, you know, Mike Vrabel's tough defense and run game, and you put on the performance they did, they could have won that game, you know, for sure, no doubt. And uh, it just happened to work in the spot. Listen, Minshew threw for less than 200 yards in the first game, but still managed to squeeze in three touchdowns. And yeah. he tosses another three in this past game to go along with a 300-yard performance. So I think Minshew, these next few games, you know, when you look at Jacksonville's schedule, Miami, Cincinnati, Houston, and Detroit before they're by, I mean, that's very favorable as far as the passing game goes especially. And I think if you're streaming quarterbacks, uh, you're celebrating on you. Yeah, James Robinson, man, he's been super impressive. Um, I, I believe he was the Shrine Bowl MVP going back to you know college, even in the All Star games. But yeah, 16 carries in each game, even five targets through two, through two games when everyone thought that Chris Thompson was for sure going to catch every pass out of the backfield on this yeah. team. So yeah, if you managed to snatch up James Robinson a few weeks ago, you've been super happy with it. 
I won't be surprised if he starts to struggle as the season continues. You know, I don't think this Jacksonville offense is, you know, the greatest show on turf by any means. But um, right now, I think it's a very good idea to try and sell high on James Robinson and get as much trade value for him as you can. Maybe on Julio Jones, who's been struggling, or, you know, just someone like that who's just had a down week, a Cooper Cup that you can really tear up with in the fantasy world uh, while James Robinson's playing well. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually in that exact situation. I I drafted Damian Harris late in my draft. He went to IR right before week one. I took a flyer on James Robinson. And now, I mean, he's literally my RB5. And it's like, what the hell do I do with James Robinson? Like, I want to trade him. Like you said, if you picked up James Robinson, and assuming, of course, he's going to be at the bottom of your lineup because you picked him up, you should look to, to sell high, get a good player at a position of need on your team because, like you said, it's the Jags. They might be better than we thought, but they're definitely not going to be great. So James Robinson isn't going to continue to just light it up. And if you could get a good sell high, buy low kind of deal on a star player, I would definitely do that. I'm trying to do that, but... It's hard. I mean, you know, because Robinson, I think some people are still wary of the Jaguars offense, but I don't know, man. I've always been a fan of Minshew since I just I just think he's a playmaker. I think he's the kind of guy that has that that it factor, those intangibles that lead a team. I think the guys love playing with him and and DJ Chark, someone who I personally was a little bit I wasn't down on him, but I wasn't as high. Like people were really high on him coming into the year. But if Minshew plays like this, oh, same here. yeah, Chark, Chark is going to be in that wide receiver two conversation all year long if Minshew's playing like this. Yeah, I, I think so. People, I think Chark managers are probably a little concerned right now. You know, he had a touchdown in the first game, and he's been involved. He just hasn't been hitting yeah. like we thought he would hit. But, but that's going to come. You know, him and Minshew have a strong connection, and those, those better days are ahead. I think you need to hold on DJ Chark. Yeah. And especially, like, you know, but if you could trade James Robinson for DJ Chark, I mean, that would be ideal, I think. Yeah, that's not a bad move. Um, yeah, I think DJ Chark is going to be someone that, yeah, look, as long as Minshew progresses, Chark will progress. I think they're going to be linked, and I like Minshew's progression, so I like Chark's progression. So definitely don't get too nervous about, you know, Keelan Cole catching a couple of touchdown passes. Keelan Cole has been the breakout guy for for five years we know that it's not happening so <clears throat> excuse me yeah Chark's gonna be good and that wraps up our fan questions Dylan and everyone who sent in a question we really really appreciate it keep them coming we're gonna be here every week to help you guys out and then we are gonna cover tomorrow night's Jaguars Dolphins game give you a quick breakdown right after a quick commercial break and we're back here on AMA, ready to close out the show. Uh, we just want to give you a quick game preview of tomorrow night's game between the Jaguars and Dolphins. But before we get to that, we had one more last-minute fan question on Twitter that I wanted to ask you about. And it's similar to this whole trading one position for another position and not getting the value back. So... Uh, it was this trade of trading Calvin Ridley for Josh Allen. And I think you saw on Twitter that trade. You can make that trade uh, at Kinda Man Dan. And anyone listening in general, 
Josh Allen might be playing great. Whatever quarterback it is might be playing great. You don't trade a wide receiver, a high-end wide receiver two, and looking like a potential wide receiver one right now for a quarterback. You just don't do it. I don't care who. I mean, literally, it could even be Lamar. You just don't do it. Yeah, I mean, Ridley has shown a nose for the, the end zone. I believe he had 10 touchdowns his rookie year, and he's already on track to seemingly smash that this season. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe he's the overall number one wide receiver in fantasy right now. And, yeah, Josh Allen's playing hot right now. I hope this was asked by someone from the Bills Mafia because that's the only yeah I, I would believe you'd be considering this question. But, um, yeah, I mean, just think about, you know, you trade your wide receiver one for – and, you know, Gardner Minshew is outperforming Josh Allen for the next couple of weeks. You're going to feel like you got egg on your face yeah. in that situation. So you keep Ridley. And I, I did want to actually – there was another question as well we talked about. Um, real quick, I'll throw it in. It was a Zeke Gurley Lockett. Oh, yeah, this is a good deal, yeah. Jacobs. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Sanders, Brown. And uh, at first, I think it's a shock factor when you see a top three running back in Zeke, you're like, oh, my God, never get rid of someone like that. But really, I mean, Gurley could be a dud throughout the entire season, uh, and he hasn't shown any reason to believe otherwise right now. And Tyler Lockett has been stellar through the first two weeks, but so has DK Metcalf. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if DK – you know, overcomes him as a wide receiver one for Seattle by the end of the year. Whereas, I don't see A.J. Brown getting usurped by Corey Davis just yet. If he's healthy again and you end up with two stud running backs rather than just Zeke and you're carrying Gurley, not really excited about any week. Because yeah. Jacobs and Sanders are getting plenty of work. I mean, Sanders' first week back, 20 rushes, 7 catches. And, uh, you know, Jacobs has been getting a few catches what 50 carries already yeah so I, I actually think season long Jacob Sanders side wins out there. yeah so so yeah that's what we kind of discussed on Twitter and this question came in from at Ravenservative so yeah Ravenservative and I'm with you I, I said I, I you know I replied to him on Twitter saying you know if AJ Brown is back in a week or two and all of a sudden he's playing the way we expected to you basically just got two almost RB1s, for sure one RB1, a high-end RB2, and a solid wide receiver two for Zeke, who's obviously tremendous. But then you have Gurley, who, like you said, I personally don't trust. I don't know how you could trust him. And then Lockett's been good, but he's not that much better than A.J. Brown, where it's worth, you know, if you could get right. Jacobs and Sanders, it's worth it. So uh, Raven Servative. If I don't know what side of the deal you're on, but but yeah, I think season long the Jacob Sanders AJ Brown side will win that will win that deal. And now and uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, sorry, man. It, it it's just a bummer because obviously this was one of the foreseen things for Todd Gurley. It was either going to be he's going to be like Garrett Blunt and just fall into the end zone 18 times on yeah. a stellar offense, or what you're getting now is just inefficient volume. Yeah, yeah. Atlanta right now they're throwing everywhere. That seems to be their plan. It's working. I know they're zero and two, but everyone knows they're they're a much better zero and two team than an zero and two team should be. So, yeah, yeah. I don't even want to think about that play again. <laughs> but um, all right, so let's let's real, yeah, let's real quick uh, finish up with tomorrow night's. I mean, terrific game. Thank you, NFL. For putting the Jaguars and Dolphins on Thursday night primetime, you guys, you're killing it. You're Who doing, you're doing such a good job, NFL schedule makers. We love you. But 
So not not a ton, not a ton of fantasy relevant players here, but definitely guys in that flex range. Even guys we discussed earlier tonight. So let's start with the Jaguars. Gardner Minshew in most 10 and 12 team leagues. I, I don't see him being started, even though right now he's the 10th overall quarterback, averaging 28 points a week, which is very, very good. But I would probably, you know, you probably have a better option than Minshew. Um, I would go for Minshew in DFS. Do you think Minshew is worthy of a start in a 10 or 12 team lead this week? Personally, I'm starting Minshew in a, in a 12 team lead this week. Very happy with how it's worked out. I mean, I picked him up for, for this week uh, with, you know, Cincinnati and Houston and Detroit coming up. I was not expecting a three performance against Tennessee, but hey, you know, sometimes you catch lightning in a bottle. And yeah, yeah I'd be super excited, DFS or in a two quarterback league, especially a super flex league, especially. I think Gardner Minshew is a great start going forward. And I'm super excited to see if they go color rush on Thursday and we get those mustard gold Ugh. Jacksonville uniforms and those. Yeah, and those weird. Yeah, that will be quite the sight, I'm sure. But but I am with you for sure. If you're in a 2QB league or a super flex league, Minshew is going to be in your lineup just about every single week. And yeah, I love him for DFS for Thursday night. And now moving on to James Robinson. Good matchup. He's been playing well. You see him as a, as a solid flex play in most leagues? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we didn't unfortunately see... Uh, Zach Moss or Devin Singletary, you know, have the type of success we would have expected against the Dolphins. But I still think, you know, getting 16 carries a game, Robinson has a chance to really do something, you know, 100-yard performance already. So I like him definitely as a flex play. If he's your running back too, you know, especially in a year with so many injuries, then so be it. You know, you could definitely do worse as an RB2 than Robinson. Yeah, for sure. I mean, right now, like I said, I happen to have gotten lucky and I have him – at the bottom of my bench, but yeah, I, I, I intend to either trade him or be starting him soon enough because he looks pretty good. And also for, you know, people, again, DFS players, he's the kind of guy I could see maybe fall in the end zone a couple times, maybe throw him in your uh, MVP slot if you want to, if you want to mix it up a bit. And then let's move on to the number one passing option in Jacksonville, DJ Chark. Uh, Byron Jones will not be playing in this game for Miami. So that is a big deal for someone like Chark. How do you see his game going? I do. I like that he's not going to be matched up against Byron Jones. I'm still concerned about the injury that he's nursing. You know, he's been limited in practice, and you've got this game coming right up. It's something to monitor. If you can pivot, you should. You know, if he's going to be limited like that, I think with the way Minshew's spreading it around right now, you mentioned Dylan Cole, and kind of surprised with LaVisca's his involvement yeah so if you can pivot maybe now's the time on a short week with an injury but i still think if you can't he's gonna get you a week you know he's not gonna he's not gonna kill your week he's not gonna give you a goose egg no yeah i hear you i think if you could especially as we get more injury news if there's any clear news that he's gonna be limited if you can i would avoid him if they're saying he's 100% i'm pretty comfortable starting him in this matchup the jags have been good at throwing the football and now we move on to the Dolphins, who <laughs> I don't even know what we could talk about here. I mean, we got Fitzpatrick, who, in my opinion, is basically just a DFS option if he has one of his Fitz games and just goes off. Uh, tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, yes, maybe two QB leagues are starting him, but, I mean, there's no way you're starting him in a 10- or 12-team league, correct? 
No, yeah, he's. Uh, I love Mecca. I love he plays the game, and that's what's going to be so fun about this particular matchup. Because Minshew's the same exact. Okay. I feel like they're two players. One just happens to be exiting the game as the other is entering the game, but they're the exact same guy. Yeah. And that's what's going to be fun about watching them. But yeah, uh, it's going to start Fitzpatrick anywhere in any league, even in DFS. I wouldn't see how it could be worth it. Um, you know, Devontae Parker. If he's your guy, I could see him putting up maybe flex numbers, but, you know, he's also kind of nursing an injury, managed to score a touchdown last week. So, you know, again, you could do worse. But, yeah, it's going to be interesting. The thing I'm waiting to see, and sorry to steal your next question here, but a lot of players I've noticed in leagues that I'm in, a lot of fantasy managers have already dropped either Jordan Howard or Matt Breida. So this is going to be big for the Miles Gaskin managers to see if you really got something here. Yeah, I'm happy you brought that up because he was going to be my next my next name over here. And I literally, this morning, I picked up Miles Gaskin. At first, I was just like, I'm not touching this backfield, but you got to look at the numbers. He's played over 65% of the snaps in both games. Breda and Jordan Howard are both under 30%. Howard is averaging, I believe, 0.8 yards per carry, literally. Less than a yard per carry. All he gets is the goal line roll, which obviously hurts Gaskin a bit, but if he continues to struggle, I don't even think he deserves to continue to get the touchdowns. And Matt Breda has been just a complete disappointment for anyone who drafted him. And I have Gaskin right now on my bench. And like you said, uh, tomorrow night is going to be a big night. I mean, if he has a big game, I will be very excited to potentially trade him. And I think most, you know, if you're in a pinch and you need a running back, great, keep him. But if you're strong at running back and you just picked him up and got lucky and he has a big game tomorrow night, I definitely recommend trying to move him because who knows? It's the Dolphins. They could just suck. And Miles Gaskin is not like he has so much pedigree where you have so much faith in him. So I agree. That will be one of the most interesting things to see how that Dolphins backfield shakes out. And then the final guy in the Dolphins, and maybe the only one that you're going to consider starting in fantasy, someone I've liked for a long time, Mr. Mike Asicki, tight end, broke out last week. He was breaking out towards the end of last season already. Gets a great matchup this week against the Jaguars. They've given up the third most points to tight ends. Do you see Mike Asicki being, you know, I mean, I think he's for sure a top 10 tight end. Do you think he could be a top six or seven tight end this week? Yeah, I think so. Last week was huge. I mean, there was a lot of Gesicki truthers who were eating crow week one. <laughs> Everyone was trying to dunk on them and, you know, tell them how much they sucked and all that stuff. But Gesicki is a top-tier athlete. He really is. He posted great numbers. There's a combine. Kind of awkward, you know. He's, he's like Zach Ertz in a way. He's always open and he'll yeah. catch the ball, but he just never seems to break tackles and give you the yards after catch. Yeah. But last week was huge. It uh, seems like the beginning of something great. Hopefully, maybe, you know, fingers crossed. But um, And going back to, I hate to crap on him, but it seems like maybe Jordan Howard has set a record as far as being a player who has scored back-to-back touchdowns and yet did not score over seven fantasy points in either of those games. Wow. I don't know how he did it. But, that you know, is impressive. You, unless you get point carries, you don't go over 10 yards, <laughs> and you don't get a single catch. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is, exactly. So, I mean, that was the backfield, you know, I was avoiding. And then I said, you know, this morning I kind of missed out on my waiver on who I was going for. And I was like, I have an open roster spot because I dropped Paris Campbell. 
who, by the way, I picked up. I got all excited about. Of course, he had to get hurt because week two was the week of death. But um, well, I have to. Uh, I'd love to know going forward. Let's say season long, would you rather have Mike Gesicki or Evan Ingram? I, I gotta go Gesicki. I think he's. I think he's number one going to be targeted more. And I also think Evan Ingram, we've seen year after year after year, he gets hurt. I mean, if Evan Ingram plays 16 games this year, I would be shocked. He just never does it. And he struggled through two games so far. I don't think you should, like, bail on him. I think he's extremely talented, but he gets hurt a lot. Gesicki with Fitzpatrick last year was great. So far, it's been one and one, but the one good one was really good. And then you're hoping when Tua comes in, you know, the cliché, Rookie quarterbacks love their tight ends. You hope that can continue whenever Tua eventually gets this job. But I would probably go Gesicki. Where would you go? Uh, it's still it's tough. I would probably still go with Ingram. I, I think he's, you know, it, it's been tough sledding. But with the way the – man, I almost talked myself out of it at this point. <laughs> but give me Evan Ingram. You know, I, I think he's I think he's the better bet. But also, here's a better question for you. Gesicki or Dalton Schultz going forward? That's a good one. So Dalton Schultz was someone I wanted to get on waivers. And once again, my wonderful brother sniped him from me. Just just terrible family league situation. But Dalton Schultz, I look, everyone was talking Blaine Jarwin. Blaine Jarwin, you know, he's going to be the guy. Unfortunately, tears his ACL. Dalton Schultz comes out the next week, has a monster game. What was it? Nine catches, 98 yards, and a touchdown, I believe, on 10 targets. So, I mean, it's hard, though, because you look at the Dallas offense. You have Cooper, you have Lamb, you have Gallup, you have Zeke. So that's why I would still lean Gasicki. I just think he's he's probably the two there behind Devontae Parker, while Schultz could end up being the four or five. It might be a better offense, but he'll be lower on the list, but... Anyone who is dealing with tight end issues, if you, you know punted on the position and are streaming, and if somehow Dalton Schultz is still on your waiver wire, pick him up immediately and play him because he should have the opportunity. I don't expect him to be catching nine balls every week, but he is he is uh, he's in a good spot in an offense that's looking really good right now. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Still waiting for uh, some fantasy production out of. Green Bay tight end, but, you know, that's a discussion for another day. Yeah, Packer. But look, hey, Robert Tanyan caught a touchdown this week. Um, We'll give him that. Okay. We'll give him that. But, yeah. He's on the radar. He's on the radar. But, yeah, Packer, the Packer tight ends, they'll get there eventually. As long as Devontae Adams is catching 15 balls a game, I think they'll be all right. (laughs) But um, No doubt. So, so Dylan, yeah, that's that's all the fan questions. We got to preview tomorrow night's game, go through all these injuries, and, again, really appreciate taking the time to come on the show. And once again, before we head out, just remind everyone where they can find you everywhere on social media. Find me on Twitter at DylanBusby1. Follow the show, point per perception, at 3P underscore FF show. My first two episodes have just been going through some prop bets that I like each week. You know, I've been right, I've been wrong. I'll show my receipts later on. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's fun. I'm having a lot of fun doing it, and it's going to expand as we go. But I enjoy doing it, and I'm for the people to come along for the ride with me. Yeah, everyone, you heard it there, listening to Dylan's. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I took a look at your show, 
it seems like it's mostly based around betting, correct? Yeah, right now I'm just doing prop bets uh, through this pretty cool app. Well, not just an app, you know, the company Monkey Knife Fight. You can yeah. do, you know, little categories like more or less and touchdown collections and things like that. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. But obviously as we go, we're going to do further analysis and injury updates. I'm no fantasy doctor by any means, but, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's been enjoyable. Yeah, right now a lot of prop betting. Yeah, that's awesome. So, guys, anyone out here who likes to gamble, I am definitely one of those people. Check out Dylan's show. I'm sure he's going to have some great prop bets for you to hit every week. And give him a follow on Twitter at DylanBusby1. And for the show, you can find us on Twitter at AMA Fantasy. We're going to be here every week answering all of your questions, bringing on amazing guests. And we really appreciate everyone who sent in a question. You can find me on Twitter at Book of Eli underscore NFL. And we will see you all next week. Have a great night. We're out, everybody.